Welcome to the Sergeant Podcast. I'm Sarah McClintock. From mythic figures to nobility to saints carved in stone and wood, the bust has been a vehicle for religious contemplation, memorialization, documentation, and preservation for centuries. Unlike the tradition of portraiture, the three-dimensional bust allows us to contemplate the human form in the round and captures the subject's physicality in the world or imagination. The current exhibition, Heads and Tails, ceramic work by artists Andrea Duchatnier, Julia Morrison, Paul Rayner and Anne Voodcourt are brought together to explore the uncanny stories heads can tell. Curator and Public Programs Manager Greg Donson sat down with two of the artists in this exhibition, Andrew Duchatnier and Paul Rayner, to talk about their work. So you've both worked in a variety of media, but what was it that appealed about clay for both of you and when did you both start working with it? I'm going to say 2004. Um, that was because my brother came to live in Whanganui after going on an evening class in Auckland yeah. to learn about pottery. Yeah. And the very first things he made were little pinch pots, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They're nice, but they're not, they don't do it for me. So then he started doing more and more amazing stuff. Yeah. And so we got together quite often for a clay evening. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. And we were really, really productive. Mm. But the breakthrough came when I realized that the 3D, the third dimension, mm. made it an object in the real world. Yeah. It wasn't something that was glamorized and put on a wall. No. It was part of the real world. Yeah. And, you know, you know, it's, it's that whole, around the, the whole object as well. Yeah. The back is almost as important as the front sometimes. I mean, that's something that's very important to Anne Birdcourt, yeah. you know, who as yeah. a child was looking through books, um, you yeah. know, and was always, she wanted to see the back of um, Velazquez's Infanta's mm. dresses, and she couldn't understand as a child why she couldn't turn the page and see the back of the dress. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what oh, nice inspired her. Yeah. Yeah. She did hear yeah. beautiful Infanta's yeah. ceramics. Yeah. That actually was an early, um, well, one of the first ceramic people I think of as an artist mm. working in ceramic yeah. in New Zealand. Yes. So, mm. yeah. And um, back in the early 90s, I think we had them at the Sargent yes. Gallery. Yeah. That was a Big moment to see those. Yeah, no, they're wonderful they're really works. So it's great to have everyone show. I mean, and it's lovely to be able to show them so yeah. that people can walk around them and see them in the mm. in the round as well. Yeah. And Andrea, for you working in clay, previously you've been working in in a, a broad range of material. But what was it about clay that appealed? Uh, well, I was trying to. I was doing the traditional thing of of modelling heads in clay, and then I was casting them in concrete which was really heavy, mm. very hard. Um, and I thought, oh, I'll just, I'll just fire these heads. I'll just hollow them out like an egg yeah. and um, put it in the kiln. Yeah. It was really also due to other people like Paul, you know, you follow the experts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, blind leading the blind. <laughs> and the support of people like Mark and Paul and Rick Run um, in terms of firing these things for me. Mm. Um, but, you know, it was, it was part of that tradition. I've been doing heads in other forms before. And then when I started using clay... There was just such a, a freedom to it. It was just, it was lovely. It was mm. full of um, oh, possibilities, huge amount of possibilities. Yeah. I'd also like to add, actually, that people are not 
afraid of ceramic as, as, a, as a viewer, as a buyer. No. There's already so much knowledge of the medium in their own homes and their lives. Yes. They grew up with it. Yeah. And so when you say, oh, I work in clay, people instantly get it. You yes. Know? Yeah. And you can make something that's quite uh, challenging even, but because they're kind of already... Um, acquainted with ceramics in their own lives, um, they can still embrace it. Mm. And I try with some of my works to put a handle on it or have, a, have, a, have it look more like a vessel than a sculpture yeah. so I can say, oh, it's, it's a jug. Yeah. And people get that, <laughs> even though you could yeah. never pour anything out of it. Yeah. And yeah. people love that. Yeah. 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 Double to... use, double value. Yeah. Double the value. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's probably why I... I s still stick a handle on things and turn them into sort of vessels. Yeah, yeah. I am interested though that it is still um, like an in-between type of medium. It mm. isn't really yeah. uh, an art medium. Mm. And I know that my past materials, things like wool, um, had that craft thing to yeah. it, you know, making things out of shell, the dreadfulness of shell craft. <laughs> and the <laughs> dreadfulness <laughs> of... Um, you can't get anything much more... Um, Oh, it's sort of downbeat than shellcraft. But, <laughs> <laughs> but when you start making, when I start making things out of clay, immediately they're in a kind of a, a craft camp mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that crosses over a little bit into an art camp, mm -hmm. but isn't totally embraced no, by the yeah, art. Yeah, of course you're right. It's marginal, yeah. definitely. And yeah. strangely enough, the... Um, Ceramics takes me so much longer to make. Mm. It costs me a damn fortune in terms of yeah. the clay, the firing, the glazing. Yeah. Um, and the prices of my works are so much lower than the works <laughs> that I made out of polystyrene. You know? <laughs> yeah. Which is a yeah. cheap material. <laughs> it's yeah. inherent price. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. So it is a love of the stuff. It's not yeah. um, mm. for an artsy factor. It's just a pleasure factor in the making yeah. that's, that's there for me. Yeah. And I think for all four of you, for Julia Morrison and Anne Birdcourt in the show as well, it, it is just that wonderful sort of um, deep sort of well of just influence in, in art history and um, ideas that sort mm. of reflects. And, you know, I think all four of you sit really wonderfully in, in a tradition that's quite new and and um and fresh mm. um but in terms of art history um obviously the idea of making heads and buses a a long long and ancient one um for european art history and, and also in a much broader sense as well um but what is it that appeals about that um tradition or what influences you from that well when I switched to clay, I discovered a whole alternate history that really most of us are not that aware of, and that's the ceramic history. Mm. It runs parallel and perhaps <clears throat> somewhat underground, under the radar to the art history. Yeah. Sure, you've got your busts and all those wonderful things, but in the ceramic tradition, um, they, they did come from a craft and a domestic and somewhat more functional uh, yes. space to begin with. Mm. Um, and uh, the figurative was a really strong feature uh, from the 
well, from the Renaissance, if there was a Renaissance era in ceramics, uh, it was very, very infant back then, but maybe 18th, 19th century when the Staffordshire figurines started um, being mm. produced en masse, yeah. affordable art, if you like, for the masses, yeah. and the whole birth of the middle classes sort of happened at the same time in the Industrial yeah. Revolution, and suddenly... You know, ceramics snuck into everyone's home. Yeah. And yeah. I want to do that for the 21st century. Yeah. Yeah. A Paul Rayner in every home. <laughs> <laughs> On the mantelpiece. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, Andreas, which are very substantial, yeah. probably have become associated with the, the sculptural head tradition of the mm. Yes, mine definitely come from that tradition yeah. of the, the head um, standing in for the body, commemorative um, bust, the um, Roman figurines where they were very much based on the idea of death masks, um, mm. very realistic, but really a lot of it was to do with um, gothic sculpture more than anything, you know, yeah. the pain and the suffering of uh, the saints. European museums I've really loved and I feel mean about abandoning our own sense of culture. But yeah. when I've been there and lived in Europe for extended times, different periods, uh, I just love that figurative tradition. Yeah. And you have, um, in somewhere like the V&A, you have this mm. British ceramic tradition, oh. you have the yeah. Chinese ceramic yeah. tradition, you have the Egyptians, you have the... Um, uh, Turkish, just mm. all these different cultures have all had ceramic traditions mm. and they yep. use figures mm. um, they've used these wonderful dioramas to show how to make bread with little figurines um, they're just so fascinating mm. in terms of this approach to materials um, memory, actions, how do you record things, um, pre-written traditions and it's all there these wonderful mm, figures, busts, um, not always about art traditions, often, often yeah. quite pragmatic, often about religion. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And growing crops and the harvest, yes. and, you yeah. know, the four seasons, simple ideas that everyone gets straight mm. away. Yeah. And harking back to uh, like Greek and Roman gods, mm. but you know, this, this size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, talking of the VA, you know, just walk into that ceramic room and there it all is, the whole history in front of you. It's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. And in terms of, so we've talked a lot about sort of craft and, and the history of sort of ceramics in, in, a, in a wider context, but are there any particular artistic influences that you have, i.e. artists that you've been influenced by recently or through Ooh, more recent I don't artistry? have any particular, mm. um, uh, I, I don't see my, my, my work um, being influenced directly by any, any other person that I can think of. Yeah. But having said that, I often use artists as the subject of a ceramic, yes. such as my Ronnie Van Hout self-portrait, <laughs> you know, yeah. wearing one of his wonderful photographs 
with a word like monster on it or um, yeah. something, uh, something else and wearing a Ronnie Van Hout mask. So there's a homage going on. Mm. Don Driver, Tony Fomerson, even Max Gimlet have all popped up in my work. Yeah. But yeah. they are not always homages. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Andrew? Well, I know that part of the hit thing is definitely um, Bruce Nauman and the way he used body parts yeah. and that body part thing has been mm -hmm. part of my work. Mm. Uh, but I know that, like Paul, I look at a wide range of artists and steal a little from a wide range yeah. and inspired by a wide range of different people at different times. Um, I know that my work is influenced by the tradition of surrealism, that this idea of beauty and um, how it operates as sort of convulsive beauty, something that's ugly, attractive, mm. um, is, is important to what I do. Uh, but in terms of contemporary clay artists, fantastic people like Madeline Child, you know, mm. what they do with oh. clay is just, is just wonderful. There's a whole new uh, sort of American um, influence in terms of a radical reinvestigation of what clay can do, yeah. which is more like um, the crossover between abstraction and mycin, you know, somewhere in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, I find that really inspiring, very exciting. Mm. And what is it about making the actual form of the head that appeals? I mean, with the exception of the Toby Doug's pool. Mm. Um, but I, I guess I'm thinking about in contrast to someone like Paul Masek or even someone like Richard Stratton, who's putting, you know, painting an image on the vessel, whereas you're making the actual form of the head, or even someone like Grayson Perry, who's, you know, making big vessels and things painted on it. What is it about making the actual form of a head that appeals as opposed to making a vessel with an image on it? Well, they are as different as almost a sort of hyper-real original or artwork or painting would be compared to, you know, a sort of folk art painting. They are that different. Mm. Um, I love the human face. And I love the challenge of somehow getting a bit of a recognisable <laughs> likeness there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I have been doing portrait drawing, portrait painting since art school. Yeah. And I'm just doing it in 3D. But I love just now and again, like I've just done a Kerry Hume. And she's probably the best <laughs> of the three I've done. Yeah. And I realised that I'd always had her eyes too far apart before. Yes. You know? Just little things like that. And it's a breakthrough. It's a revelation. I love that. Clay is a really hard material to do portraits. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. You can cast, you can, you can model a head in clay, which is the tradition, and then you cast it, and you do a wax, and you do a, mm -hmm. a bronze. But if you're just doing the head that is um, unsupported and not cast... It's very, very hard because every time you push in on the clay, mm, yeah. it stays there. It yeah. doesn't come out. Mm -hmm. It's a hollow form. Yeah. It's hard. And to get a likeness is not that it's easy. It's very hard. Yeah. I have never sat down with a live model in the same room. So I'm actually working from a flat image yes, as well. Yeah, yeah. But I do the side view front on as well, of mm. course. But it's all kind of made up as you go along. Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah. The, the emptiness of the form mm. is what makes it really hard too that you're building yes you're yeah. not um, yeah, modeling right. you're not it's not absolutely additive, it's you're, subjective exactly it's not like a stone sculptor and you're, yeah. you're, you're wrenching an image out of a block of marble it's yeah. the opposite as, as Andrea, Andrea says you're, you're building the wall at mm. the same time as you're trying for some kind of likeness yeah. You know? yeah 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 
and Paul, just to, <clears throat> in terms of the Toby joke, um, what mm. was it that appealed about using the Toby joke form? We've got the, mm. the Queen and the Mighty King in mm. the show, mm-hmm. um, but what is it about the form of the Toby joke that... Ah, uh, I guess it's really that popularist, somewhat kitsch his, history, um, ceramic history, which I can't help but be drawn to. Mm. But also the, 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 the fun you can just have thinking now what's the handle going to be doing? Like the very first piece, and I, I perhaps you've slipped a photo of your way of it, um, mm. was a Liberace Toby jar. <laughs> the first piece that I thought, oh my God, that's it. We're, we're at ground zero here. Um, and um, he was ever so wonky, but his handle was the piano keys on a piano. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, there you go. And you can do that with a token joke. doesn't matter. You know? So it just gives you so much freedom. Uh, I've yeah. used that word before. Yeah. And yet it was picking up on something that I've always been interested in, you know, um, the human face, celebrity, all those things thrown together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in terms of your imagery, you both draw on sort of found imagery. Is that quite a happenstance thing, or do you sort of go and hunt for your imagery, or is it kind of just what you encounter in everyday life? Oh, I hunt for it. You I've hunt for got it. big yeah. files on my computer yeah. that are sort of bad skin conditions. Yeah. Men who look like dogs, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, all those sort of, and of course it's the internet, you just keep going and yeah. going and there's all yeah. these wonderful examples, yeah. the yeah. truly most dreadful things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I suggest you look up Tree Man from Indonesia for some oh, truly true. dreadful skin disease. Fantastic, it makes yes. me feel a lot better. <laughs> and I'm just like Andrea, I do a lot of research. Yeah. I'm yeah. hunting for something. Mm. I'm not sure what sometimes, mm. but I'm definitely hunting something down. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and that's part of the fun of, of it. Um, so Paul, you've used, um, in the show, we've got um, New Zealand artists and writers as subjects for your work. We've got um, Don Driver, Tony Thomason, uh, James K. Baxter and Dennis Glover. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about these works <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And, um, and your sort of relationship to the artists? Or, yeah, or, definitely. Yeah. Certainly in the case of um, James K. Baxter and Dennis Glover, I was interested in their personal lives as well as their creative writing yeah. and the demons that haunted them, but also the way they um, were able to turn some of those things round and and they they sort of became uh, they sort of transcended all the, the the stuff that was you know the baggage and everything uh, I won't go into too much detail but James K Baxter's history you know and um, Dennis Glover's drinking history yeah. uh, make for some interesting and startling reading yeah and uh, in the case of the Dennis Glover I've actually imprinted uh, a stanza of one of his poems which is definitely an autobiographical poem and yeah. it just adds another layer to the fact that this is actually a spirit bottle yeah and you can take that in more than one meaning if you like you yeah know? the spirit bottle tradition is is just really a, a, a vessel for containing alcohol mm. but it could also mean the spirit of the, the person depicted as well yeah and so with the jug I couldn't help but do a whole series of James K Baxter's because he's got these huge jug ears for a start <laughs> And I mean, his face is just so 
uh, the, the older James Kay's face is just so wonderful to work with. You know? Yeah. And again, it's a jug, it's a vessel. Um, it sort of alludes to something mm. in his life as well. So um, Don Driver was a, a much more straightforward, I would think, um, homage, very early work, 2005, mm. um, taken from an image in the Alistair Taylor A to M of New Zealand art. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there he was with a drain pipe on his head, and I thought, oh, that's so cool. So the image had the pipe on his head. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, he was mucking about in a, in, a, in a junkyard. Yeah. And somebody took a photo. Yes. Yeah. But it's so Don Driver. I made him into one of his own sculptures, basically. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I have other ideas for Don one of these days. I might actually stick a windmill on his head one day, because I just think that would be marvellous yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've got the the, sort of the, uh, the group, or the artists and writers group, but we've mm. also got sort of two groups which I sort of loosely um, brought together in the show, sort of outsiders or slightly freakish people, yeah, yeah. and um, your self-portraits as well. But do you want to talk to both of those categories and, and, and the works yeah. in the show, i.e. <clears throat> Strawberry Man? Well, that's a good point. Um, again, Strawberry Man's really early. Um, I, I must get back to cadmium glazes. He's got this beautiful red cadmium yes. glaze. And because he's strawberry, yeah, I had a lot of fun with the kind of pips. Yes. They were kind of an avocado green against this hot, reddy color. Beautiful. And it's actually based on a photograph of David Jason, the actor. Oh. Yeah, I know, not many people, not a lot of people know that, actually. <laughs> and I thought, that's the man, that's, that's the look I'm going for. Yeah. So, um, really, I guess I was interested along the way, and still am, in, in the freak idea, you know, the, the, the human body is rife with mm. terrible things afflicting it, you know. And I guess Strawberry Man was the strawberry birthmark Yes. gone completely horribly viral, wrong. horribly, horribly <laughs> wrong, you know. But it's also picking up on the Carney tradition, the circus, yeah. where people's, the paintings that you see of the people inside the tents yeah. were so much worse than the actual thing when you yeah. went to see it. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people stuck on false hair or whatever, you know, yeah. to make themselves look worse. Mm. Yeah. And I love that larger than life yeah. um, exaggeration. Yeah. So that inspired that. And also later on, the party animals and that, that pig mask one is only one of quite a few that I did. Yeah. Uh, with, with someone, the simple idea, going out for a party and you, you're so poor, you slap on an animal mask and you try and team it with a t-shirt and that's your costume. Oh, yeah. And I spent hours and hours trying to work out what was going to be on the t-shirt to yeah. go with the mask of a bear or a pig. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and it was a lovely breakthrough when the, the, the wording somehow did fit yeah. with the mask, but was also not what you were expecting. Yes. You know? yeah. So I think the, the so-called fat pig, P-H-A-T, yes. is a very good example of the, the mask mm. connoting um, something that's not very pleasant in a yeah. way. That, you know, yeah. Uh, but actually, P H A T is, is a compliment. Yes, <laughs> it is a very nice yeah. thing to say about someone, actually. And we'll have images of these works on the website, so you yeah. can have a look at them. Yeah. Um, for the listeners. Yeah. Um, and that and that sort of interest in the, in the freaks uh, it does kind of tie in with your own self portraiture as well, mm, um, mm, because you uh, mm. do paint yourself as as slightly. Uh, freakish guys is yeah, in the yeah, show. We've absolutely. got Darth Vader and um, the Mona Lisa portrait. Oh, yes. And uh, also the family portrait as well, which oh. is a cracker. But do you want to talk to each of those mm. works? Well, really, most of the time when I 
choose to sit down and of course you're always there so you can look in the mirror take a photo or whatever yeah um you'll find that nearly all of them are actually masks mm. like the darth vader yeah so it's self-portrait as yes you know yeah. i'm acting out of a, a role shall we say yeah but uh the craftwork t-shirt self-portrait mm. was sort of meant to be like up all night bloodshot eyes you know craftwork fan and it's sort of, it's a straight self-portrait. It's yeah. probably the most realistic yeah. portrait I've, yeah. I've ever done. Yeah. And the family group one is also extremely realistic, believe it, it or not. Yeah. <laughs> we did have haircuts like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Mum was very... Creative? Uh, well, they weren't very nice, but perhaps I exaggerated the teeth. And your mum was an apprentice hairdresser. For six it? weeks. For six weeks. Yeah. And she kept practicing on us after, I suspect they fired her. <laughs> But there she was with her asymmetric cutting, you know, well before it was fashionable. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there we all are, and, and, and they, th that family group is, is uh, a composite of yes. several years of uh, school photos and mum when she was a young woman wearing pearls and all that sort of thing, and yeah. dad wearing a hand-knitted jersey and yep. all that sort of thing. Mm. And um, the Mona Lisa is a, just a, is, a, is a joke about Leonardo supposedly perhaps being the subject in the Mona Lisa <laughs> as yeah. well. You yeah. know, there are certain rumours about that. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so I thought, well, why not? Yeah. yeah. I regret the green nail polish now, though. Yeah. But otherwise, I'm quite happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew, that does tie quite nicely in, into your work because I mean, you have quite a strong sort of lineage of sort of misfits and mutants and freaks in your work. Um, <clears throat> what is it about sort of that kind of genre that appeals to you and in, in your practice, and and why not self-portraiture for you? But we did talk about those words kind of being <laughs> strange self-portraits, but... Um, I know, they're never self-portraits. <laughs> or, or they're all self-portraits. And yeah. perhaps they're all self-portraits. Um, the thing about um, some form of uh, wrongness mm. is, is a human thing, a humanity mm. thing. Mm. And I'm... I love the pathos of wrongness. That it doesn't matter how hard we try to yeah. be perfect in some way, there is always this failure. Yes. So it's a very human thing. Mm. That flaw, mm. you know, this concept of perfect beauty, mm. is non-existent. And you know, I just I think it's a, a comment about oh, the the struggle. You know, the human struggle. Mm. I love the images of the Gothic images of the saints because everyone, everyone can understand it. Yes. The wounded self. You know, yeah. it's such a, mm. uh, a a cliche, but even recognizing our ability to feel this over exaggeration of uh, deformity in some way, whether it's internal or mm. external, yeah. is really the human endeavor to cope yep. with being in the world. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what they're about for me, the irony of it, you know, trying to be really beautiful. A little bit like Yvonne Todd and mm. her work, you know, the slight buck teeth, mm. beautiful hair, the pose, but there's always something just askew or yep. not quite right. Mm. And the confidence that people have, even though they aren't quite right. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, the vanity also yeah. is part of it, the undoing of <coughs> personal vanity that we all have to a certain mm. degree. 
things like the Weeping Men series, you know, that was done because um, usually we see images of women feeling with intense feeling. Mm. Uh, but this pathos of men crying, having this over-emotional moment, um, I can't help but love it. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's, there's a sadness and almost a nastiness in it in capturing mm. those moments. Yeah. But, yeah. And we talked earlier on about the making of, of these objects, but Andrew, for a lot of the works in the show, they are sort of perforated with either cuts or wounds or sort of holes. What is it about that sort of interior, exterior, and 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 kind of punching holes and things that you like or wounding? Well, I think it, there's two things. There's um, the dreadfulness of. Um, the concept of like doubting Thomas putting his hand into Christ's wound, mm. you know, that interior opening up that interior space, yeah. you know, what that means. You know, we love to think of our skin as something that is totally sealed, hermetically sealed, and when we have ruptures in it, mm. um, it upsets us in some way. Um, but formally, this interior exterior thing in ceramics, like I say, it's very difficult to build these hollow forms yeah. um, and so to have the interior opened up is quite a marvel you know, it's, it's, there's a, you were seeing a lot of ceramic practices this idea of perforating something mm. Um, mm. that it opens up the interior you see the, that skin and understand the idea of that skin um, entry and exit points so there's something quite our mind likes it Mm. to see into the interior thing. Yeah. What about the titling of your works, Andrea? How how do they come about? Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been good with titles. Yeah. (laughs) But they are so good. They are good. Um, And I think of them as friends, girlfriends, boyfriends. You know, the the people that have just come into being. Yeah, yeah. And who they'd be and what their names would be. Yeah. Um, so, so someone like um, Celeste, um, you know, I'm thinking of the good ship Celeste, totally yeah. sunk, and there she is, mm. weeping tears of blood. Um, so she was quite easy. Someone like um, Wilhelmina, of course, with a name like Wilhelmina, it would always be shortened to Bill. And <laughs> she yeah. is a bird-like creature with a big fat bill. Yeah. Um, and a marvellous headdress. <laughs> yes, and yeah. a marvellous headdress. Uh, so they kind of um, are associated with the character that emerges. Yes, and, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, something, something that seems friendly but might have another sort of depth in the yeah. way that we name, name things yeah. and name people. And probably nearly just to finish off, but how do you both feel? I mean, it's always uh, great sort of bringing works together when you're working on a show, but how do you both feel about those groupings that we've got in the exhibition in terms of seeing things together again that you haven't seen together for a while, Lee? Mm, um, very um, enjoyable to sort of wander through and a uh, little potted history. Yeah, it's nice yeah. to see that sort of overview. Friendly faces, some of them I haven't seen for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very interesting for me to see them in a cabinet like yes. that. Yeah, it's yeah. sort of locked away. It's a whole new dimension. Yeah. And the 
to see them as a group where they've never ever been out Together. as a group yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. and to see the consistency that I never thought was there yes. when you actually yeah. see them Absolutely. on mass yeah. 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 and then to see them with other people's works yeah. and to see how specific this thing is that you do yes. that yeah. you never know that it's unique or specific because yeah. you're yeah. only measuring it against your other work That's yeah. right. mm. so it's very nice Heads and Tails is on view until 6th of December in our object gallery at 31 Topol Quay. Thanks for listening. The Sergeant Podcast is released monthly and is produced by the Sergeant Gallery to Wari Orehua, Wanganui.